0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Big Hit Podcast, a collaboration between Scottish Fencing and the Fencing Podcast. So it's Kate Dakin here and in today's episode I'll be discussing one of the younger fencing clubs in Scotland, Sal Ossian Fencing Club, with head coach Phil Carson. Sal Ossian Fencing Club is a predominantly sabre club based up in Perth. In 2014 it secured its own premises and is now entering its fifth year. In such a short space of time it really has produced quite a lot of successful fencers representing scotland and great britain in the cadet junior and senior levels as well as running community groups in and around perthshire area now i am slightly biased because salossian Fencing club is where i fence and phil is my own coach so the two of us will be discussing salossian and how it came about a little bit about phil's own fencing background and our hopes for the future of the club Hope you enjoy listening and please don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts as well as following us on social media. We're on Instagram as at the big hit podcast. We're on Twitter at big hit podcast, Facebook, the big hit podcast, and you can email us on the big hit podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for Phil Carson from Salisbury Fitness Club joining me. Phil, can you give me a brief history of your own fencing career. I know you are the coach of Salossian, but let's hear a bit about you.
1: Um, well, I don't know how, how much time we have for that. <laughs> I've been fencing for a long time, over 40 years. So I started fencing, having been ordered uh, to come along to the Tuesday afternoon class at school by a guy called George Hansen, who was the PE teacher at Liberton High School. Um, George was a really enthusiastic guy, loved his fencing, and we got on really well, but it was kind of once a week for my entire time at school. I wasn't very well off, we didn't have a lot of money around, so I didn't have any fencing kit of my own, couldn't go to any of the local clubs, uh, but just sort of plugged away there once a week at school. Um, when I went to university, I my first year and started to do a bit more fencing, In the second year, uh, Neil Brown um, arrived. Uh, Neil had taken an injury and uh, had decided to move from competitive fencing into coaching. So we got together for a year and I started getting pretty good and was enjoying it. So I decided decided to take a year out of university and um, I worked for uh, half a year and then I went off to Budapest and I met a guy there called Peter Fröhlich at Honved uh, Club. And uh, I worked away there, came back, I did very well at everything, got into, made the Scottish team for the Commonwealth Games that year. That was 1986. And then decided just to um, push it on a bit. So I moved down to London and uh, then had a bit of a knee injury. So that knocked me uh, out of the sport for a couple of years. My job took over, Roll on a few years, my daughters came along. And really it was because of them that I got into coaching. They, um, we went to the local clubs, they didn't like it, they just wanted their dad to coach them. So one thing led to another, they started getting good, other people wanted to be coached by me. So I started taking my um, British Academy of Fencing um, exams and then coming up kind of closer to a decision I made in my early forties to become a professional coach. So I uh, worked uh, very hard at my fencing, started traveling a lot, met some amazing people, some amazing coaches, got some real inspiration. Took early retirement from my job, actually, and then went off to Sydney Sabre, where I helped them um, set up coaching programs and their performance programs. I had six months over there. And then came back to Scotland for a whole heap of reasons I won't bore you with um, and set up Salossian Fencing Club. And it's that that's really brings us up to um, modern times.
0: That was a good whistle-stop tour, actually. I like that. <laughs> so you've had sort of all the experiences of a fencer, a coach and a fencing parent
1: throughout this whole... It, exactly. The the coach-parent one was, was always going to be a tricky one. But we came up with a deal which was... With mask on, I was the coach, mask off, I was just the usual kind of soppy dad. And um, and that seemed to work. That seemed to work reasonably well.
0: Yeah. So Salossian has been running for five years. I know this because I am a fan of Salossian. Um, and we've had quite a lot of success for a young club. We've got people in the GB team for cadets and juniors and seniors. We've got the, the little kids, the littlies, as we call them. It coming into the higher ranks now. It's been really sellous and started five years, but we've had it running before that in Allen School as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So it was kind of a traditional, um, you know, couple of times uh, a week, uh, recreational, social type thing. Um, we took a big decision to get our own premises. Uh, that was a big decision. We'd looked at premises sports centers, community halls, you name it. We couldn't find anywhere that was willing to uh, commit to providing a high-performance space, a space where people could train five, six days a week. And um, so that was kind of what was driving us. It's what we wanted as a club, um, right at the start. I don't think we knew exactly where it would take us at that time, but having weighed up all the costs and all the benefits, we decided, no, we we don't want to be in a school where we find ourselves double booked with the Zumba class or kicked out because of, you know, exam hall space requirement every year. And then, you know, use of space in Easter holidays, summer holidays, et cetera. So it was a big decision, um, but it's been proven to be a really important decision. Because as you rightly say, we've had a lot of success, but I think the success has come from being able to provide an environment for kids to come in to do what they want to do and to work hard towards what they want to get to. So if you want to come in once a week, and you know we've got kids since we've opened who have come in you know, once a week and they've they've all grown up together and they're all having fun together. Uh, but we've had other kids who are in three, four times a week. Um, we're just about to move to five nights a week now, um, just to reach that point where we can start to think of ourselves as a high-performance club. Um, it's been a long journey, been a lot learned. We made some mistakes early on, and but we've kind of learned that the most important thing, is not just the space and the coaching and the kids and what have you, it's all about the culture. Uh, If you get the culture right, if you work hard on the culture, if people know what they're, what's expected of them in terms of input and in terms of behaviour, then you go quite a long way to making it a a, a very pleasant place to work and to play.
0: Yeah, I think you're totally right there. We, I mean, take it from my point of view as as a fencer at the club, as that yeah, we have that culture for the kids to, they're free to learn and enjoy the sport, but they're also learning skills and soft skills that they're able to take out into other life, really.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, we're, we're into coronavirus times. We are delivering all of our training online, but we're kind of emphasizing, you know, a big part of being a, a high performance athlete is having the grit, having the resilience being able to be disciplined enough, even when you're isolated, to exercise your mind, your body, and uh, all of these things, they are life skills, absolutely, absolutely. Completely agree with you, Katie.
0: So I think you've just covered most of my questions. Irritable, no. Um, (laughs) So we say good culture. What do you think a good sport club culture, not just a fencing club culture, means? What would you define it as if you had to?
1: Well, I I, I think we've learned that some of the things that get in the way of a good culture, some of the things that get in the way um, of a strong culture are an overemphasis on results. I think when people understand that it's about them and about improving them, uh, yes, the the results are kind of there. um, They're important in one sense, and that is that they give the kids a direction to travel. I noticed this a couple of years ago. We decided to take any kids who wanted to go to Challenge Bratislavia. And um, what happened was literally, we had a group of 12 or 13 kids said, yes, we'd like to go. And the week after that, they doubled the amount of training. And, the, and when they were in the SAL, they were working even harder with focus and with ambition. And this, comes, this, this is where a, a kind of goal and the goals and aims are important it sets the direction of travel but actually we we try to avoid that uh, in the club even to the point where we've turned off the scoring equipment as you know we don't score bouts we practice bouts we don't have competitive bouts in the in the club we have we have uh, practice and more practice yeah sometimes it gets very intense and that's good we can practice the intensity we can practice the competitiveness but that was an interesting one for us because I don't know if you remember we had uh, I hope they don't mind me mentioning them but as young cadets Sam McClellan and Mark Alvarez and they would work every night of the week and we get to the Thursday night and there'd be amazing fencing fantastic fencing going on and almost invariably, the last fight of the night, it would be at 14 all, Mark Alvarez versus Sam McClellan. And you know what? One of them would go home thinking they wanted to give up the sport and they were terrible. Yeah. And, the, and the other one would just, you know, feel... You know, and in terms of um, sports psychology, you know this is quite a, an important one. That if you go down that route, you the kids or and the coach for that matter will experience either euphoria at, at succeeding or dysphoria in terms of um, losing. And if you if you're either uh, work as an athlete or as a coach with that result focus, it's pretty much a downward spiral. There's no real. There's no real uh, positive stuff that can come out of that. Um, and as you know, you can't win everything all the time, but you can focus on your performance and work on the things that you need to work um, with. I'm very proud of the that. Actually, it was you who came up with the club motto, which is nothing works like hard work works. we uh, should really trademark that, it, to be honest. We really, <laughs> <laughs> really should. Um, and it kind of does sum some, some everything um, up. So I would say... A results focus um, culture is one that would work badly against the um, the, the a good culture. Um, secondly, I would say it's about everybody working together, um, and this has been quite a difficult one for us because I expect everybody in the club to fence everyone in the club. I don't want cliques, but I also want the seniors to try and. Contribute back. I want them to know that when they were that age they didn't have the opportunity to fence with people at that standard. We put in a very good practice protocol. Uh, what that means is that if a senior is fencing a, a littly, as we call them, um, the senior will be focusing on their tactical game, whereas the littly will give them something technical to work on, you know, to, to finish each attack with a good lunge, with good Ankle, knee, hip alignment. Where we have two seniors fencing, though, we will say you work on self control, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it's the person who who has really good attitude, really good self control who's going to who's going to win. And in that way, everybody gets to practice all the time, and it's not about beating up each other. It's not about winning. It's about practice. It's about improvement, and it's about performance.
0: Yeah, I think as well that we've found – I think I've found that we can be a high-performance club, but that doesn't mean we're shutting it off to those who just want to have fun and just do sport recreational, and I think the kids able being able to fence with the older kids gives them that element of, oh, it's fun, I get to fence so-and-so, and the the little – the like you said, the older ones are still giving back to the younger ones and, and giving back to the club, and it is quite funny when you – not let them win, but to a certain extent you do, especially when they're like two feet high.
1: Well, they can they can end up taking the hit, but it doesn't mean that you that, the, that you don't have a really good and valuable practice uh, yeah. session, um, as, as you know. But I think that was quite an important point. It took me a long time to work that one out, that you, you, you can have a recreational culture, but high performers cannot fit into a recreational culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a high performance culture it is um, possible to bring in the recreational fencers into that. So you can be high performance or you can be recreational. But if you want to do both, I think you have to have a high performance model into which the recreational fencers um, adapt because the high performance fencers will become very, very, very frustrated. The recreational fencers will be frustrated, but only if you don't create the culture where they're made to feel welcome and, and where everybody in the club fancies everybody i don't care about the age i don't care about gender i don't care who's on what team it's about the club and everybody in the club working hard for each other
0: mm-hmm. do you think this the culture we have now is developed through trial and error or through sort of cherry picking from other clubs or because I know that the turning off the scoring equipment is similar when we did some I did when we all went as a club training in um in BVSC one of the top clubs in Hungary they just fence everybody fences continuous and you'll be on the piece like five or six times in a row and you have to actually tell other people to stop fencing because you've done for the night so where do you think where we've got to now where do you think that's come from
1: yeah, I think there's been, as I said, I think we made some mistakes early on. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're when new people come in, we're much clearer with them about what we're about and how we do things, and we're learning all the time. So again, since the since everything has stopped and we've moved online, it's given me a chance just to do the next iteration of that. So I've been working uh, on a on a course with Barcelona Football Club. Uh, they have a online university, and some of the resources that there are really fantastic. And they've been working hard on this whole concept of high performance and what it is and what it means. So I've taken the opportunity on this kind of pause in activities to think about how to reset the club and how to take the next step up. But yeah, we've, we've learned from that. I've learned a lot from other coaches. Um, I look to other clubs, and I see especially the clubs who have been on at this kind of game for maybe one or two generations ahead of us and I look to a lot of the international uh, clubs and coaches uh, for advice uh, I'm always online with with people talking to them getting ideas posing them difficult questions and uh, looking always looking for that next thing which will be um, be able to help us to get to the next level
0: yeah it's exciting really. I'm quite I'm hoping that this the uh covid isolation comes to an end soon because there's a lot of stuff that i'm personally i want to get on and develop as well so it's i'm excited to see how the club will develop in three years five years because all the younger ones we've said this before but all the ones that are doing really well at the younger level how they're going to progress into the older cadets and juniors yeah it's exciting
1: yeah yeah and I, I think we, we were watching some of the, the Williams work in a way, and I said to you, and I said to SJ, can you mm-hmm. remember when you were their age, when you were, you know, 11, 10, 11, can you remember what you were like? Could you do what these kids are doing? And and no. it's like, no, we all should go ahead, no way. But this is what's happening is as the culture grows, as the environment gets better, as our training and coaching improves, we're seeing the result of that come through with these kids who are doing, phenomenally well so it's um yeah it's onwards and upwards it is a you know interesting couple of weeks i think the next two or three weeks are going to be really 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 important because mm-hmm. everyone will start to feel the psychological effects of this so as you know we've set them some physical challenges. We've got, uh, sport mindfulness sessions on twice yeah. a week. We're keeping them very engaged, very, very busy. I'm looking for some international fencers to come online with everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we had afternoon tea, uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. It's great to see everybody. Uh, we'll keep that going. Uh, I've got Lucy Higham off. She'll be doing um, a club quiz with us soon and, uh, yeah, it's just about um, being very, very aware of... It's going to be very tricky over the next two weeks and maybe even the next two months. So we have to work uber hard to make sure that these kids are engaged, feel part of the club, feel part of uh, something, are challenged, can put fitness and some fencing into their daily routines. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm with you. it For me, it's just like a very, very long pre-season. We started yeah. pre-season three months early, so well, let's let's take this t- as an opportunity to reposition reposition the club, but stick the next step. That's what we're, yeah. that's what, that's the opportunity I see.
0: And I think, what's the saying that distance makes the heart grow fonder? I, w- I would be surprised if the kids didn't come in almost giddy wanting to <laughs> get a sword and hit each other
1: yeah i wouldn't i know i I am i i I, I wouldn't be surprised at at all and actually it will be quite good people will have be properly rested they'll be properly consolidated all of the things we're doing online with them is really high quality so at least their mental representations of what they will be doing and how they'll be doing it will be strong when we come back yeah
0: well i think that's really all we have time for thank you phil for our little isolation discussion and chat. That was really good.
1: Absolute pleasure, Katie.